Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my gazer friend, Ben Belhopper. Well, hello there. I've got all five of my eyes looking at the screen, uh, seeing the topics we're going to discuss today, and boy, oh boy, am I excited. Good. Uh, hopefully the no paralyzing <laughs> ray is going to be hitting everybody unless you want to take a little break and uh, listen to the whole episode in one shot let us paralyzing ray you so that you can just sit here and, and relax we promise you'll save by the end of it <laughs> well oh, in gosh. theory i mean if you really think about it you know if we put you to sleep or something then it's just a sleep ray so you know Ugh, corniest episode opening i don't know i'm sure that we have had worse or we will have worse (laughs) probably probably uh so (laughs) so uh today we're gonna talk about two different things as we normally do first off we're gonna talk about um kind of an overview high level of gods and deities Mm -hmm. which is uh super interesting and very in-depth topic we're just gonna hit it from just the the 10,000 foot view uh, for gods and deities for your campaign. And then we're going to talk, seeing as this is the first episode of the year for us, uh, what we want to see from D&D in 2021. Yes. There's a lot of fun stuff. A lot of stuff that could happen. um, And a lot of potential, no, no news or anything has been released so far about anything 2021 related as far as content goes. So we're uh we're excited to talk about that a little bit but first off let's let's talk about gods and deities and so this is this is an interesting thing and it's not necessarily your not necessarily your first thought mm-hmm. when you're going into a campaign especially not a pre-done adventure that just lays things out for you. There's, there's a few adventures that delve into to deities. And if you're doing a campaign and say uh, Theros, the presence of gods and deities is much more pronounced yes. than if you're, you're, you're running, say something like uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, where gods and deities might not be <laughs> ever present and it's just more this like overarching threat or something mm-hmm. like that exactly uh, from a from a homebrew standpoint though um you may be thinking about that a little more or you may have say a paladin or a cleric in your party um and many times there will be either uh, or warlock even. And so many times there will be either a patron or patron deity. Uh, paladins usually have a god of some sort. Uh, clerics, of course, usually have some sort of deity um, with which, from which they get their powers. And so when you have those, those can be very much uh, kind of hand-waved. Yeah, you get your powers from some divine force or whatever, or very specific, uh, the, the light of Lathander illuminate <laughs> or the power of cord courses through your veins or, you know, something, something like that. And so uh, it's, it's really just how deep do you want to go? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's funny because there's a couple different ways to kind of determine that. Um, first of all, when you're building your world, 
look at it uh, just like how we've talked about uh, magic and how magic influences your world. You know, if you want to have a, it, I mean, you know what? We're going to just completely create uh, vocabulary here and we're going to run with it through the whole episode. <laughs> Um, you know, you can have a very like God, I guess, godless world, you know, where they're there, but they have absolutely no influence on anything that's going on. Um, you know, clerics, paladins, anything that has, you know, some sort of religious aspect to it. Sure. They could worship it. You know, uh, a cleric would get the power from the religion of some sorts, you know, but you don't have to have like, you know, the God walk up next to him and be like, hey, I'll heal that guy for you. Okay, cool. You know, touch him <laughs> on the forehead and stuff. I mean, it, the, the level of complexity, the level of um, immersion of the religions throughout the world, it really kind of comes down to you. Uh, unless, you know, you're, like Ryan said, you're playing a setting that is, okay, so Zeus, he's actually disguised as that chicken over there. Uh, and he's going to test you. So let's see what happens with that. No, entirely based <laughs> on, on the setting. Um, another way that I've kind of looked at it too, is that a lot of it can depend on your players. Now, way back when, when I was little, when I heard about Dungeons and Dragons, it was when I was in church and about how Dungeons and Dragons was evil because you worship all these other gods and, you know, you might have someone who's in your game who they want to play a cleric, but they don't really want to focus on the God aspect of it. So if they're not comfortable with that, then you know what? They have divine powers. The end. That's yeah. good. You're fine. It's as simple as it has. It, it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know what? You can always have like a, a, like a slow start. And then as the character progresses and levels, they become more in tune with their God. I mean, this totally works with any sort of cleric or paladin because, you know, as you become more powerful, you're getting more of these kind of, you know, divine powers or God-granted powers. And you can, you know, kind of start interacting more and kind of build up that story and build up that religion for your world as it progresses. You know, it, it's entirely up to you on how much you want to put in and how it interacts, especially right at the beginning. Yeah, 100%. And that that's a, that's kind of a good thing to decide, uh, especially when you're homebrewing, uh, when you start your campaign is what level of interaction do I want from the gods or deities? And do I really want, do I want a bunch of them? Do I want to limit them to just a small, small subsection? Uh, are they going to be there, but kind of detached they're, they, you're, they're spoken of, but not interacted with type thing. Or you could potentially have it where um, they are kind of uh, tangibly involved. Like mm-hmm. you might run into emissaries of theirs or there might, you might have dreams or visions through different characters at, at some points um, where they make their presence known, but they're not like omnipresent. And then you've got the full on stuff like the Theros setting where you might see a God just walking around <laughs> like this giant 50 foot, you know, humanoid figure just walking around. And it's, 
not super uncommon. And it's just one of those things where they like to meddle ridiculously and grant boons or curses or uh, empowered champions or, you know, something like that. So you can, you can really mix up the level that you, you want to have the interaction and it is usually better to have that in mind when you start a campaign and kind of set that expectation for the players as well. Mm-hmm. Just exactly. so they kind of know what they're getting themselves into as you start progressing through. Yeah. And speaking of mixing it up too, um, you're not limited to a specific pantheon or a specific, you know, base of religion. Uh, in fact, the, I'm, I don't know if it's the, I'm pretty sure. It, okay. I don't know if it's the DM book or the player's handbook. I think it's the player's handbook where they do have different sets of uh, religion because, you know, you can choose your deity and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have different examples like Egyptian gods. They have Norse gods. They have gods from the forgotten realms. They have, you know, all these different aspects of, in, in, in deities that you can kind of choose from that have, you know, their, their own alignments or things that they're kind of, you know, this is the god of this. This is the god of that. And if I have a paladin in my group who is walking around saying, I worship Thor. Thor is the god that I worship. Great. Okay. Um, I might have a grave cleric who wants to worship Anubis. Great. You know what? Why can't they both be in the same world? You know, Um, you can justify it any way that you want. You can just say, hey, everybody just co-mingles and hangs out and, you know, and celestial or, you know, wherever they want to. They can have different levels of of, uh, planes of existence. Um, Or it could just be, you know, hey, in this world, Thor is the god of thunder. Anubis is the god of death. It's just pick and choose doesn't matter. Um, that's one of the great things about especially homebrew stuff is that you can give everybody access to the, the different things that they want to play around with and you can help control that. Again, if you're playing, I'm just going to keep going back to Theros because it's a pretty cool place. You might want to kind of you know rope it in because that is an actual campaign setting. But at the same time, again, you could do whatever you want. So oh. I just have fun with it. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Uh, and it, it's, it's a common theme with us, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Um, from, a, from a homebrew or campaign perspective too, if you don't know a lot about this or you don't want to make up your whole pantheon, your own pantheon of deities, uh, D&D has a rich history of a pantheon of deities. Like Ben was saying, there's examples throughout the books. You can Google D&D deities oh, yeah. and find like the Forgotten Realms wiki and just see the whole list and what their normal alignments are. You can click into them, find out about them. So if you're a player making a character like a, like a cleric or a paladin, you can easily do that and go, oh, this sounds like something that would fit my my character style or this sounds like something that would uh, a deity my my care my cleric would worship um or if as a dm if you have players that come to you and like uh what's this like religion checkbox for my <laughs> my cleric or my paladin you can go oh yeah that's uh it's kind of your deity or who who you get your powers from or um who you worship as as your character and so here's some uh, a list of two or three 
that sound like they might be good for that concept that you're going for. And like, this is, this is kind of their alignment and this is like their divine domain, which is kind of the, the thing they're over. Like this one is over life and puppies and this one is over, you know, nature and you know, whatever uh, that's, that's divine domain. So there's a lot of, a lot of different ways that you can, you can use that. And there's a lot of content there that's just ready to be picked from if you don't want to make your own stuff. up. Definitely. I mean, I know that I am a huge follower of uh, Canis, the God of life and puppies. Um, one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but it, just to give you an example, I pulled up uh, on D and D beyond just the player handbook. This is where all the religions are and they have uh, the Celtic pantheon, the Greek pantheon, the Egyptian pantheon, the Norse pantheon. That's just, you know, fantasy historical pantheons. Other than that, they also have Greyhawk, Dragonlance, Eberron, and a ton of non-human deities. Like you have a whole plethora to choose from of some sort of, you know, fictional deity if you so choose. And uh, as a player, you can even talk to your DM about, you know, possibly creating a new god as well. You know, there's always, hey, you know, I didn't find anything that that really worked with me. I was thinking maybe something or um, in you know, that's uh, not exactly like, you know, lawful evil, but really has more of a vengeance theme going for it, but it's still good. And, and uh, you know, this didn't work. This didn't work. Uh, can we maybe make Bob the guardian of revenge be my new deity? Everybody knows about Bob. <laughs> Everyone should fear Bob. Yeah, exactly. With a name like don't want, to, don't want to get on his bad side. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, every, everybody in the land knows about Bob and and his uh, acolytes of vengeance. Um, in fact, they are a paladin group who goes around and um, wreaks vengeance for orphans made from war. Yeah, there you go. They got really serious at the end, but you know, I'll go with it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the first thing I can think of like, who want vengeance. Batman. Okay, let's see. He's an orphan. So you Batman, have Batman could be a god. Yeah. <laughs> Batman, the god of vengeance. <laughs> yeah, there we go. See? Uh lawful good. Or maybe yeah. even lawful neutral. Lawful neutral, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he rides the line. He rides the line. Yeah, doesn't use guns. That that's a tenement, but <laughs> or a tenant, but yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, again, create something new. Talk with your DM, and uh, again, go with what fits with your character. Go with something that you enjoy, and DMs, go with what kind of works for your world. Uh, like Ryan, for your, your homebrew campaign, like what do you have uh, as a, you know, kind of the the religious aspect of it? So. Uh, for my homebrew world, I pull from just like the breadth of the pantheon of D&D specific, like um, mm-hmm. Forgotten Realms type specific Greyhawk. Just the Anything. D&D created um, gods. But I have also created some custom ones that are specific to my world. Um, and one or two of them, uh, one of them 
I have a cleric who's actively a follower of. Um, and for me, I, it's, it's funny, and you don't have to get this, this complicated. I actually have a little uh, document as far as my world, because of course, uh, we, we've talked about this before, like organizing your homebrew world and stuff. One of the, one of the things I have is like uh, custom deities. And so it's an actual thing. And I rank, have God ranks by powers. And as new deities are introduced or um, a player character has a specific deity, I throw them into the thing with a link to like the, the Forgotten Realms wiki. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that I can go and reference them easily. If I create a new one, I make a new entry and type out a paragraph blurb of like what they are, like what their domain is and kind of what their motivations are essentially. And so that's, that's kind of how I handle it, handle it in mine. What do you, what do you do for yours? Yeah, I have um, something, well, not as in depth and detailed yet. Eventually at some point, Uh, it all comes down to time, of course, but I kind of just kind of pick and chose different deities uh, again, mostly from just the, the different Dungeons and Dragons pantheons. And I've got uh, like a, a set of like main good deities. I got a set of neutral ones and a set of uh, evil or bad deities, you know, generally who are known as evil ones. And based on that, it's like, okay, well, here are the main ones. There could be lower tier gods. And, you know, if something comes up or, um, you know, like maybe one of the, the uh, like the beastmen gods or something, they might not be that prime deity, but, you know, there's still something that's being worshipped. You know, well, if they come across it, cool. If not, cool, whatever. But um, like for my, my cleric in the group, um, he is definitely tuning into being a, a very devout cleric to Coralon, which is an, an elven god of uh, art and magic, which is pretty cool. So, and we're having kind of fun building that relationship and going with it. I've got a paladin who worships Bahamut because all paladins should worship Bahamut, in my opinion, because it's the coolest one to worship. Because <laughs> it's just a really cool dragon. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, unless you're an Oathbreaker, then, you know, worship Tiamat because that's pretty cool, too. <laughs> But uh, I mean, finding kind of the right balance of, um, you know, how to use the God in a storytelling perspective and aspect is one of those kind of fun experiments that I've had, because this is my first like really, you know, intense in-depth campaign that I've run that's lasted for more than, you know, like 10 sessions and bringing gods into it was definitely uh, a new experience for me. And the neat thing is, is that because my cleric player is, you know, really tuning in um, and in embracing it, I've been able to, you know, kind of start breaking that veil between the mortal realm and the godly realm. And there's been a little bit of communication here and there. There's been, um, you know, assurances and, you know, just from things like just a, a, a good feeling versus like oh i'm in this horrible horrible place oh i know my god's with me you know he's not standing right next to him again i'm gonna heal this guy poke but um you know it's that kind of uh 
gosh, what's the right word? Ambiance that you kind of fill in and it, it, it helps, you know, grow it a little bit more. Of course, now that he has commune, it's going to be a lot more fun, but. Oh yeah, exactly. Like all of that is, it's just extra flavor. It's extra, it's extra world building and um, just helps make your world feel more full, more real. Um, and finally, remember, not all gods are nice. Oh no. In fact, there's some pretty mean evil ones. And so that's another aspect of it that you can play around with or use for your campaign or story or an arc uh, is using them as a villain, using them as the, the ultimate big, bad, evil guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And while your players may never fight that God directly, (laughs) they might fight their cultist sect. They might fight uh, an avatar of that God at some point. Uh, that God, uh, you, you know, your, your good cleric God has, has plans for you and uh, help you along and learn more stuff and accomplish certain goals. Well, <laughs> the evil guy has that same cleric <laughs> on his side mm-hmm. that he's got goals for and plans for and all that stuff too. And so you can really get some interesting stories out of that if that's the type of uh, – story arc or campaign you want to run and they can be excellent backdrops mm-hmm. for a larger story. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of the, just the, the fun things about, you know, having higher beings calling on, you know, lower ones to do their bidding. I mean, if you think about it, there's a reason the God's not doing it themselves. You know, whether it's they're, they're not able to enter, enter the mortal realm, they're busy doing other stuff. Um, you know, this is a, a test for you to prove yourself. I mean, they're, they're, they're lazy. Be, yeah, there's definitely that. Uh, <laughs> I worship Dionysus and, well, he doesn't do much for me. But <laughs> talking about grapes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but one other thing, too, is that you don't want to use... Uh, you know, any sort of interactions as a crutch. If the players aren't doing what you want them to do, don't use it to railroad them into something else. Still try to keep it subtle without just a blatant, hey, so um, thanks for reaching out to me. But Dorado over there, uh, he's the main big bad evil guy. You should kill him. But go through the back door actually, because that's where there's the least amount of guards. Peace out. That's, that's very, that's a very specific, very in touch God. Yeah. Maybe don't go that far. I mean, if, if your players are really struggling and they actually succeed in define intervention, maybe, <laughs> but even then still, I wouldn't, gods aren't, you know, doing the bidding of mortals they can help them but i just i don't know personally i just don't see them taking orders and doing everything for them yeah yeah for sure there's always going to be a spin yeah there's there's always gonna <laughs> there's always a spin it's it's the best time to use your use your cryptic, <laughs> cryptic <laughs> use your monkey paw rules yeah, cryptic replies <laughs> yeah exactly
It's like, why do you speak in riddles? <laughs> why do God speak in riddles? Because they find it fun. Yeah. Find it fun. <laughs> they're working on a rap career. <laughs> that, <laughs> they're, they're going for rhyme. That's right. That's right. Um, well, that's 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 it. That's kind of a that's kind of a high level high level overview of gods and deities. Um, it's it's something that can be as big or as small as you want it to be in your campaign, but it can certainly add a lot of flavor mm-hmm. when when done done well. So, be sure to uh, think about that the next time you're planning on starting a new campaign or diving into uh, a new module and to see what level of, of deity is, is available or is, uh, is present in particular campaign. Exactly. So it's funny that you mentioned new modules. Ooh, yes. Because uh, we got some information that dropped that uh, Dungeons and Dragons is actually going to be announcing a new book on January 12th. Now, the Not fun thing far. is, is that this episode will release on the 11th. So <laughs> we'd have no idea what it is. And I am super excited to find out what it is. Yes. Yes. Uh, they, they have not, they have not said, or at least it has not leaked or anything. Um, we, we assume uh, they will probably follow a similar schedule and release uh, three or four books this year. Usually they release um, uh, an adventure or two or a setting or two mm-hmm. and then a rules supplement of some sort. Um, that's or some sort of some sort of extra supplement that is not an adventure or a setting. So we don't know what this is. We have no idea, but it's an excellent backdrop to our what do we want to see from D&D in 2021 because this will be part one yes. of, what, of what we actually see. So, Ben, let's start with you. Uh, so for this year, D&D content-wise, what do you want to see? Okay, well, I'm not going to steal something that you have in the notes because I would also like to see that, but I am not taking that from you. What I do want, though is uh, I'm, I mean, I don't use a lot of the adventure guides because I am, you know, homebrewing right now. So, I mean, I'm happy they come out and they're cool and they always add new stuff for me to play with, like regardless. But what I would love to see is some sort of compendium with magic items because I love magic items. In fact, last episode, I said that I give out way too many magic items. (laughs) But the thing is, is that they always had a different level of play, um, you know, new cool effects, everything that goes along with those. I would love just a big old book, just like, you know, it could be some sort of like um, inventory book from someone's shop or something that it, it has a whole bunch of stuff. Even better if they actually had prices in there too. <laughs> like a, like a, um, almost kind of a, an economy yeah type guide something that like that would be really great i i totally agree i was actually talking uh about that the other day with somebody and i was saying man like some common sense pricing and rarity guides yeah would be awesome yeah like there, there are those things that kind of exist now a little bit none of it's official though I mean, except for Xanathar's. Yeah. And even then that's, you know, none of it's comprehensive. Yes. 
perfect. The best word for it, comprehensive. <laughs> so having some sort of like comprehensive inventory for some fictional awesome shop somewhere would be really neat. Um, you know, anything along those lines. And again, more magic items because I love them and they do cool things. And I'm not talking about everything needs to be a magical sword that that is a plus two to plus fire and everything like that. Just have nifty fun effects of things because in my opinion, using things creatively in, you know, different ways makes gameplay a lot more interesting, a lot more challenging to the DM and the players. And I don't know, having a ring of painting manipulation or something would be really interesting and weird. I don't know. Like one that could, uh, <laughs> it, 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 you're able to change what's on a painting, you know, like add things, move things around, you know, you could slowly work on driving someone insane in their house because every time they go past a painting, it's different. Who knows? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe some sort of way to charm them or something. I, whatever. I, I might just make that and put that in the game now because it's stupid and it's cool and you never know when something like that could come in handy for a really awesome creative idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like it. Uh, I, think, I think magic items are great. And usually what I do um, just cause I own a lot of like the content type books on D and D beyond is usually if I'm looking for a, a magic item of a specific type mm -hmm. or that does something, I will usually search there first to see if something already exists yeah. that kind of fits what I'm, what I'm going for or what, what I'm wanting. And then if it does great, I'll use it. I don't have to spend time making it up on my own or if there's one that's pretty close you can take it and you can modify it slightly. Mm -hmm. uh, but the more there are, the less work I have to do. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's, like, that's, that's never a bad thing. Did I ever tell you about the, a really stupid thing that I made just as a dumb throwaway joke for myself? Uh, you have not. Okay. But you should do it now. Okay. So I made a pendant called the Gray Wizard's Clutch. And it's a little pendant that's a silver moth. And it lets you cast summon greater eagle. Yeah. And so I had to create the eagle, like the summon eagle spell and the pendant. And it stays around for, I think, two rounds, maybe three rounds, and then just disappears. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, huh, that'd be funny for an item. I'll make it. It's the best just, thing about being yeah. a DM. Yeah, something stupid. It hasn't been used yet. That's fine. I don't care. But the fact that it exists in my game and one of my players has it makes me happy. Because <laughs> when it, you know when it does happen, it's going to be probably fairly amazing. <laughs> yeah, for three like, rounds. I'm falling. I'm falling. But for 18 seconds, a giant eagle would be super handy. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think I think magic items is great. I think that's uh. That's a, a super, super nice thing to have. Uh, and usually throughout books, we, we'll get a few. Mm -hmm. We'll get yeah. a few here and there with, with um, either one or more of the book releases a year. But like, a, like an, an entire book about magic items and economy and pricing and doing that type of thing would, would be, I think, really kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It could be fun. Uh, what about you? I, like I said, I, I know you wrote down a couple and one of them I'm, I would love. 
hands down. Would love sure. Um, so to be honest, like adventure books are really kind of whatever for me. Like I've got a homebrew world and that's what I run my stuff in. So uh, I might play in a, someone's game who's running an adventure module, but it's not something I do personally super mm-hmm. often. Uh, so those, those types of books only, only get me so excited unless there's monsters in them and then take them and yep. use them, use them elsewhere. And so oh, yeah. I'm going to start with that. I would love to see another monster manual. Type yes. book. We've got, we've got our Volos. We've got our, um, Warden Canons, and we've got our actual monster manual. Mm-hmm. It's been a bit. Let's let's get another another book of monsters. Yes, with with some with some juicy juicy lore bits. Yeah, exactly. And you know that's one of the things is finding a good monster for what you're going for is sometimes really challenging. You know, it can um, be now. You know, we've talked about endlessly about, you know, take something and reskin it or, you know, do it. But there's something that you might want, but then it's definitely not balanced to how you need it. So you're reskinning as well as retuning. It, it, it doesn't really, you know, always work out the way you want it to. So having more to choose from, just like how we were talking, the magic items, having more to choose from, it works really well. So, you know, give me a, hey, uh, these monsters are usually found on the fire planes. Why not? You know, a whole bunch of random stuff there. Um, again, a- any other sort of environment, it's just filling in gaps and, you know, making things from just regular old beasts to something incredibly supernatural and weird to undead things. I mean, look, in theory, every single thing in this game could have an undead version of it. It's true. Yeah, so I would love to have another one of those books. I know one thing I've heard a lot of people talk about is uh, there are not a whole lot of like celestials and phase. Yeah. And so I would love to see more of those um, from, and there are a ton of really good third-party monster books. Mm -hmm. Let me just throw that out there too. Kobold Press has some great ones. Mm -hmm. DM's Guild has, has some great ones. Um, but it's, it's always nice to get official ones in as well. So that's, that's number one. Uh, number two is a, maybe like a, a dungeon master's guide part two, like a book that is specifically for dungeon masters. And you could even include some of what you were talking about in that type of book. Like Mm -hmm. there's a, whole new big old section of magic items. There's an actual full section on economy. Uh, there's a full section on puzzles. There's a full section on how to do this and that. Um, improv stuff, more tables of names, uh, more tables of more like encounters, narrative stuff, mm-hmm. um, world building. And I know that there's some of that in the Dungeon Master's Guide, uh, but there's a whole lot more topics that you could really dive into or really kind of go in depth for, especially for new dungeon masters Definitely. looking, looking to learn more or looking to like how to, how to do things, how to like uh, one thing I know I've talked about is 
Sly flourishes the lazy dungeon dungeon master mm-hmm. that teaches how to do campaign prep, something like that in an official book to really help people go through steps of campaign planning um, and, you know, using what the players give you, picking directions and stuff. I, you, I, I feel like you could totally do another book. Oh yeah. I mean, that type of thing. Just systems of government alone could be a whole section of, no, well, this is what, uh, you know, uh, a normal like kingdom would be like, maybe this is a more of a democracy. This one has, um, you know, a whole tier of, of like lords, vassals, you know, everything along those lines um, to like city management, you know, um, like there's so many different details that are left out that are definitely some things that you don't need, but at the same time, when they do come up, you, you'd kind of need to know them. <laughs> and, yeah. or if you have at least guidelines to yeah. creating them. Exactly. Like, okay, great. I've got a king. What does that really mean? Just some dude who taxes the land and makes rules. Okay. Well, do you have some sort of like, you know, uh, rules about make having an heir? Is there, uh, does there need to be an heir lines of succession? Maybe. Um, I don't know. There's just random world things. Building. That, yeah, exactly. It, it's yeah, all, world building. all world building. But then throw in even more monsters like, you know, the current Dungeon Master Guide has some in that that takes some of your box too. And I mean, a supplemental uh, Dungeon Master Guide is a really great way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And that type of thing. Uh, I know I've, I've talked about like NPC type supplements before. More of that. A whole mm-hmm. section on... Uh, just a chunk of NPCs with stat blocks ranging yeah. from CR, you know, one quarter to CR 10, CR 15 <laughs> of, of actual like NPCs, not, not monsters per se that you can use as allies or enemies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cause I mean, there's a few of those in like the append- appendices and stuff mm-hmm. of, of a few books, but not a lot. Exactly. And so having a whole chunk of those could be really interesting too. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Or, you know, um, maybe bring out a book on in- environments, giving a little bit more detail on, you know, things that you can find or do or quest ideas for, you know, a desert or a tundra, grassland, something along those lines. Give or help give more detail on those. Um, just, you know, I've, I've lived in Arizona my whole life. Believe it or not, Arizona has a lot of different environments between desert, uh, metropolitan, snow, believe it or not. I know a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, Mountains, like tons of different stuff like there. But I've not lived in every single type of aspect. I don't know the best way to present some of that information. Um, I know there's a section on my map that is, like actual just pure sand deserts with a, an oasis and then, you know, a, a very fertile area that I wouldn't have the faintest idea on how to really describe that. So I'm just going to have to BS it, which yeah, is my well, of damning anyway, but <laughs> still having true. more knowledge and information about that stuff would be great. Like I would love an environmental book of some sort. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, yeah. A big environmental book or, See, and you could almost call that a setting guide. It'd be like, yeah. like a guide to environments where you could have some sort of environments and then you could do one on planes. Mm-hmm. 
not just as like either as a huge section of a like supplemental DMG or as its own like settings. Oh, I love like a, a planer book. Yeah. So it's like you get the plane of air, fire, earth, uh, water, you know, and then you've got like, here is Avernus and all, uh, and all the level nine levels of hell. And mm-hmm. here's the abyss and the, the levels of that. And then here's, um, Oh, wild. Yeah, Wild. Shadowlands. I mean, the, there's tons of different stuff that you can go. I mean, uh, Shadowfell, not Shadowlands. That's something entirely different. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Shadowfell. Um, I mean, the Warcraft the, is, is bleeding through. Yeah. Uh, like the, the Ethereal Plane. Granted, the Ethereal Plane is very similar to the actual Material Plane, but it, there's differences there. There's things that actually happen there. You know, there's, oh, I, I don't know. There's so much stuff that, could go in depth. Sigil. Sigil. That's Sigil. That's yes. Yes. I'm the pointing at the screen, neutral, not the camera. Basically, the neutral zone, like the big planar neutral zone, mm-hmm. like having a whole huge uh, chapter on on Sigil. Like, yeah, I would I would love that type of. Give me a a planar setting book, like that. That's got information on all these things because, I I know what my material plane is, mm-hmm. and technically my planar scape is whatever the the D planar scape is because yeah. i'm just uh, i just don't have time to make my own <laughs> planar yeah, more, more than one plane of existence why yeah, not planar, planar deal up and so i'll use use the ones that are there and of course you can do googling and stuff and find them but it would be awesome to have that so that if and when you get uh a character that can do like a plane, plane shift, shift type <laughs> yeah. spell or something. And you go to one of those, then you have a nice handy reference. That's all nice and updated and go, okay, cool. Here's all the stuff in there. Here's all these different things. And maybe the city's here, you know, whatever. So, Oh yeah. 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 I think, I think that that could be super useful. Um, and finally my third thing, and this is something that I believe started in, See, I'm going to say this and I'm going to be completely wrong. I think second edition. Sure. We'll just I've, go with that. Yeah. I've only, I've only ever, right. I've only ever played fifth. So, so if I'm, if I'm wrong and you've played since the original and this was, this is before second edition, forgive me, second or third, something like that. Um, there was a book series called the Draconomicon. And it was a book or series of books that it was basically all about dragons. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see that updated for fifth edition. Like give me all the juicy details yes. of all the types of dragons, create a bunch of new dragons, throw them in there and just have a big, like here is a supplement all about dragons and then you could do the whole thing like, yeah, reprint, reprint all the dragon stats from, from the monster manual, throw them in there, add some new dragons in there, um, go in depth on each of them so that I can get a lot of information, like several pages on a green dragon mm-hmm. or something or a, or a blue dragon or something like that. Um, and then you could have a whole section on like, uh, dragon parts 
like yeah, the horns are like dragon crafting or or crafting using using dragon stuff and, and dragon cool skin. magical items you can make from that cool yeah cool armor or weapons that you can make from that i think i think that would be a really really cool supplement to yeah. to get updated for for fifth edition yeah, I mean, I know that we've used um, uh, Mr. Rex's YouTube channel to kind of fill in some gaps, but even then, there's so much about these different, you know, uh, metallic and chromatic dragons that even just a little report on YouTube is not enough to really fill in. And with Dungeons and Dragons being so rich, full of information and content for years, I would just love to see some sort of like tell all for dragons as well yep yep that'd be good uh so what about you all what do you want to see from D in 2021 send us a tweet send us an email we'd love to love to hear some of your ideas we have we did we know no one who can actually help with them but we would <laughs> love to we would love to read them so that we can get excited with yeah. you as well. <laughs> and if anything, maybe we can point you in the direction of some supplemental materials that might be able to fill in uh, your needs. It's true. There are a lot of third-party supplements that do cover some of the things that, that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And so having that is definitely, definitely pretty awesome. Exactly. All right. So before we kind of kind of hit our end point, I wanted to do a community content shout out. And this is uh, a creator um, that I follow, uh, Sadie Lowry. Um, uh, and uh, she has done a supplement called the Deck of Multitudinous Things. <laughs> love the name i know it's it's such a great name uh and this is on this is available on the dms guild it's like five bucks um and it is basically um kind of a a variation a spin on the deck of many things and what it is though is it's a much more narrative driven version of the deck of many things where each card has its own almost uh, side quest arc, and as as the description said, you could base an entire campaign around it. Um, and so it's each each card has its own chunk of information uh, that goes along with it. There's a lot of uh, potentially very incredible things that that could happen, or something that you could base a a, a session or a, a story on. So if you're interested in that type of magic item or interested in that type of um, maybe a little more randomized uh, storytelling or card fixing it <laughs> and, <laughs> and using specific ones because you want to, uh, it's available now. So we'll have a link to it in our show notes. But if that sounds interesting to you, definitely go check it out. Yeah, just kind of uh, skimming through the the preview that you can find on DMs Guild. There's some really neat stuff in here. And I really recommend just at least checking it out to kind of give you an idea. And, you know, adding any more uh, story or being able to just kind of like a fill in a little gap if you're, it's like, oh man, I've got this really great arc plan, but, you know, let's give them something side questy to do in the meantime or, or something like that something along those lines it's a really great uh you know supplement to just kind of uh do a little fill-in it works really well yeah for sure 
I mean, you don't even need to have them pull a card. Just be all like, this is going to be a thing that happens now. Yeah, just pull from the narrative. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, that uh, brings us towards the end. Before we go, we're going to talk, as we always do, a little bit about what's going on in our game. So, Ben, why don't you kick us off? What has been going on uh, in your D&D sessions lately? Nothing. <laughs> I know, very anticlimactic. I'm I know, this is, I was, I was just thinking about it and I was just like, I hope you have something because this is going to no, be a very, um, very sword section otherwise. We were talking about um, trying to get together, but, uh, you know, life happens, life came up, um, you know, it, it, the holidays happen. So, you know, I'm not going to fault anybody for, you know, spending time with family or anything like that. So unfortunately we don't have much, but we are getting the band back together in two days. And where we left off, the party walked through a, a, a portal to go inside the potentially, who knows what's going on, uh, basement in the Temple of Bahamut in the town of Alexana oh boy. to try to stop the uh, summoning of a demigod. Oh, man. So, so you're saying there's stuff next happening. episode. Next oh, episode. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I've... I've got stuff figured out. I've got plans um, of you have somewhat of an idea of where it might end up. And I do. And I'm very excited. I am so excited for this. Very excited to hear about it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be coming up in the next few sessions is going to be the end of the first arc of the campaign and hopefully everybody lives. Yeah. (laughs) You always, you always hope. Remember as the DM, you are the player's biggest fan. Yes. Also all the bad guys. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> since, you know, I've been up to so much, um, how about you? What have you been doing in your, uh, any of your campaigns? Nothing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, that, it's that, Christmas, that Christmas break. Um, mm-hmm. my, my second campaign, we're actually playing uh, on Saturday. So two days, two days from now. Very good. Um, uh, and so we're going to, they just uh, had that whole werewolf encounter mm-hmm. that I, that I talked about last time. Um, they are waiting in town to collect, collect their money and head to the big capital city where they have a special job that has been handpicked for them by mm. Kelsar, the beholder uh, who works in the uh, Bazaar of the Watcher as one of his high level lieutenants. So that's, that'll be super fun to see, see what goes, goes down there. Uh, and then my first campaign is getting back together uh, for its first session of the year on the 22nd. Uh, and war be a coming. That's, it's going to be big. They've been, they've been prepping for this for, for months. And uh, it looks like, at least the beginning stage of, the, of that will start probably happening next session. So all the, the fruits of their, their spying and their organizing and planning. Um, the army is coming from, from Elathar to, to come be the, the big distraction to try and give them time to, to infiltrate. And whew, it's going to, it's gonna be crazy. Very cool. It's gonna be it's gonna be a big one for sure, and we'll see how we'll see how the uh, the beginning of the end of the the second arc ends up. 
Well, good luck. Yep. Good luck to them. Ain't going to be easy. No. <laughs> is it ever? <laughs> well, Sometimes. in my combats, yeah. Okay. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. And it's, oh, usually, right. it's usually not your fault. It's usually those darn players messing up your perfectly yeah. laid plans. Would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for those meddlesome kids. Exactly. Oh, my. So <laughs> next episode. <laughs> next episode, we'll have all sorts of cool stuff to talk about. Yes. Definitely. But uh, this is not next episode, and we have reached the end. So before we go, Ben, why don't you tell everyone where we can be reached? You bet. Um, well, first and foremost, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, like we said, if you want to tell us uh, some of the, the things that you were hoping for for uh, Dungeons & Dragons to release this coming year, go ahead and email us. Send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. But if you're like, hey, I want to make sure that they definitely get this right this second. Hey, if you tweet at us, we will definitely get it a lot faster because that Twitter is at DN Discussions. We both have access. We both tweet from it. We both answer it. Send it our way. We'd like to hear from you. Now, if you're looking for Ryan, just Ryan, for some reason you hate me, you want to only talk to him. Ryan, what is your Twitter? No one can hate you, Ben. You're so you're so lovable. Oh, people. But if you do want to, if you do want to talk to me, I am at TVKZO. Yep. And if you're looking for me, I'm at Ben Bumphoffer. Now, you've heard us talk a lot about Dungeons and Dragons, and if you're thinking to yourself, I bet they don't even play. Well, you can listen to us in the Rhyme of the Frost Maiden on plus five to hit. That's right. We play with a bunch of friends of ours. Uh, we are currently level two, hopefully being level three very soon. And the next episode that's coming out is a doozy. Yes. <laughs> so it's a doozy. Lots of things that, happened. Check that out. We had a lot of fun with it. And uh, of course, you know, check out this show. Every other episode is available on dndiscussions.com as well as pretty much every place you're going to find your, your uh, you know, podcast. Like where you're listening to it right, there, right now, every episode is there. If it's not, let us know because I will be confused. <laughs> because it should be. <laughs> <laughs> it really should be. Exactly. Um, but anyways, until next time, hey, Ryan, it's always been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, listeners, thank you very much. Be good to each other. And I mean that. Take care, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>